Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2007. This is Robin talking about Step 9. Hi everybody, my name's Robin. I am an alcoholic, I'm a recovered alcoholic. um, I'm actually a member of the Baldwin Big Book Study. And um... (laughs) And um... Yeah, yesterday I was at the meeting and um going to speak with Dave about, you know, to thank him and go, wow, about his presentation for the inventory. And he went, how are you with your amends? And I was like, you know, and, um, and I wanted to start telling him about which amend I'd just made. And, um, and it was like, no, the speaker can't come and um, would you do it? And I got a little bit teary and all of that kind of stuff because I've been here a year and I was uh, – from Byron Bay, Mullumbimby, up in northern New South Wales. And um, I think I'd been here a couple of weeks when I came to this meeting. You know, I was really looking forward to I tried to kind of tee it up so that I'd get here. And and um, what an amazing experience it is to, you know, just see how it's growing and changing. And, and um, it's a privilege, you know. And um, I used to think it was a right. I was, um, you know, put in – I was – I got into the AA sort of fellowship that was, you know, take what you want, leave the rest, do whatever you want, you can, you know, whatever, you know. And so for 15 years in Alcoholics Anonymous, I suffered from untreated alcoholism and I was stark raving sober. I, you know, um, I was listening to somebody today talking about it, saying that, you know, alcoholism doesn't come in bottles, it comes in people. And... One of my favourite things is that whenever I picked up a drink, when I was drinking, I was always sober. You know, and over the years that I've been around, the people that I see pick up drinks in the rooms, they're always sober. Seems to be a really big problem with for alcoholics of being sober. And um, and so you know, three years ago, I was um having yet another rock bottom in sobriety up north, and um. And screamed out to God again, you know, what the, and help me, and went online to, um, I thought there's got to be something more, because I came, you know, up north, and even the meetings that I got taken to and Sydney introduced to were just discussion groups, you know, discussion meetings, tell how you're going, have a good whinge, AA is here for you to, for, to bring your problems, you know, to talk about your sexual abuse. You must have been sexually abused, you're just in denial. Um, you know, get in touch with your inner child, and it's like, I've got inner children. It's, that was the thing for me. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's the playgroup. Um, <laughs> but they've, <laughs> they've all got ADHD, and they're cross-eyed. And, and it's, I can't deal with it, you know, but I'm in touch with them, and I'm, and I, you know, and people die. That's that's the sad thing. And if you're a newcomer, I want you to know that you don't have to die of alcoholism and you don't have to die of sobriety. Because <laughs> I've known people, just before I left Byron Bay, a woman 10 years sober. Sober. And I went to her funeral after she had taken a, a bottle of sleeping pills because she couldn't stand being sober. And... um. That's where I was before I got here, you know. Before I got online, 
And I thought there's got to be more than just whinging and dumping and, and my anger. I've been, Myers was talking about it the other night, you know, um, there's nothing more offensive than somebody who's like beating you about with this, you know, and it's like, I've been one of those people that gives big book thumpers a bad name, you know, because I was just, once I got a hold of it, it's like I'm fervent and I'm just like, you know, still mad, you know, but um, I'd rather be mad and slamming a big book around than mad in discussion meetings going around and around and around and around and finally where I was was I'd rather be dead. 15 years down the track and I'm hurting everybody. I've got no friends. I'm sick. I'm unemployed and unemployable. People are afraid of me. I can't go out the door. I don't want to answer the phone. Well, it's not ringing that much anymore anyway. You know, I'm not going to the mailbox because the bills are just piling up and I've got no money and I'm, I don't know what to do. You know, and I'm, I went online and, and thought there's got to be more and so I googled primary purpose and downloaded a, a bunch of um, big book Nazis. Keep away from them, they'll get you well. <laughs> you know, and um, one of the questions they asked was, you know, it was in a big workshop sort of thing, who here has got more than five years sober? Clearly people put, how many of you have still got unfinished amends? A whole bunch of people clearly put their hands up and they went, how many of you think that having those unfinished amends has got nothing to do with you drinking again? And um, because if my program says, you know, and, and who, aren't, who aren't actively seeking or trying to make them, you know, that was the thing too. Because they said where it says all, they mean all. You know, you've got to become willing and it's like, because oh, my life depends on it. And I was... And they also asked a whole lot of other hard questions, but that was the one that struck out in my mind because I, um, when I was told, take what you want and leave the rest, I went, well, step nine. So <laughs> I don't want that, you know. And, um, and so the next day when the sheriff came to the door and <laughs> handed me the, we're going to be selling your house, because you're six months behind and I'm um, in payments. And that was my inheritance from my father. I've done nothing, you know. I, whatever I've got has been given to me. I could not work. And, um, and I just got down on my knees. It's like, again, you know, it's like, what the fuck? And um, this really clear voice went, well, you know, Robin, you never did write about any of your stealing that was on, in your fourth step. I was never asked about it. Here, it's not all gone. So. <laughs> None of my sponsors thought it was that important to ask me about my stealing. I'm a thief. I'm an alcoholic horse thief. You know, and, um, and for me, what I recognized was it became clear. I, you know, I sat down then. Like, once I kind of began to get... And there's nobody up there to sponsor me. I use these guys as, um, you know, I just... That was it. I used these tapes and I went through the book page by page and I did it straight away. It's like I wrote down as much as I could remember right there and then because I believe I have no effective mental defense against the first drink. At certain times, I will drink again and I don't know when that's going to be because if, if I'm the sort of alcoholic, I'm a real alcoholic. I've lost the power of choice. I will drink again, and all the times that I said I was never going to do that again, 
I always did. And the guys in More About Alcoholism, they're not thinking about drinking. They're not obsessing about it. Both guys, Fred and Jim, go, no thought of drinking. Suddenly, the thought crossed my mind. And it seems reasonable. Ding. So I got it out. You know, and I, as I said, I was broke. I was um, soon to be homeless. Thankfully, that changed because, you know, I, I recognized I needed to do something. And, and like I said, I'm a thief. But what I also recognized, began to recognize, was that um, not only did I steal money and goods, you know, and alcohol and drugs, I stole love, I stole, I stole trust, I stole hope from my parents, I stole whatever, I stole your time, I stole your patience, your compassion, your understanding, I took what I could get, and I just sucked it in, and I gave nothing back except heartache. That's the sort of person that I am, you know. So I recognized that I would be given the power if I was willing. I believed that, you know. And, um, and, and with the little bit of money that I had, I started, you know, this was my first way of making amends, was to um, start uh, burning the CDs of these guys that I had. I had no money, but I put $15 aside each um, fortnight and I started, because um, I thought I've got to go from being a taker to a giver. So I'm starting running out, you know, giving Myers Raymer tapes out to uh, CDs out to everybody, as many as I could. Most people up there really aren't interested. But, um, you know, what it did for me was it, it began the process. And, um, and I've got my couple of books here, but what I want to... I'll just turn to, this is one of my favourite books, Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers, AA Conference Approved Literature. <laughs> so I like to do it because it's not my opinion. I want to say this is, I can back this up, look. But we, we sort of focus on, Dr. on Bill Wilson's spiritual experience, you know, and it's like, bang, and why can't I have one of those? And Anyway, but I'll just read this, you know, page 75. Uh, finally, and this is after Dr. Bob's refused to make amends. He's not going to make amends. I'll do anything but that. And Bill's going, you've got to do it. And he's like, uh-uh, I've got to go to this conference, you know, gets rip-roaring drunk on a, you know, three- or four-day bender, comes back. Bill gives him a couple of drinks. He goes off and does his operation and um, says, finally... Because they're wondering where he is. He's meant to be home by that evening. You know, it's really late at night. Bill's beginning to wonder, what have I done? Maybe I shouldn't have given him that, given him that drink. And so finally, Dr. Bob came home. He had spent the hours after the operation making restitution to friends and acquaintances in Akron. The bottle of beer Bill gave him that morning was the last drink he ever had. Although arguments have been and will be made for other significant occasions in AA history, it is generally agreed... <laughs> that Alcoholics Anonymous began there in Akron on that day, June 10, 1935. That's the day that Dr. Bob made his amends. Bill, Dr. Bob never took another drink, and we forget that. You know, there are no coincidences in the founding of Alcoholics Anonymous, and too many people miss that Dr. Bob didn't get so, our co founder did not get sober until he made his amends, never to drink again. And then he 12-stepped more than 5,000 people in 15 years before he died. And um, that's significant for me, you know, because um, 
it's about hard work. And, and one of the things for me, you know, is that, you know, I'm, I'm given the choice. I've lost the power of choice over alcohol. What I'm told in, in, in the big book is that what my choice is, and Bill's, I love Bill's dry sense of humor. It's very understated. These are your, it's not easy alternatives, but die an alcoholic death. Live life on a spiritual basis. It's like, which door do you choose? It's like, mm, you know, and it tells me, you know, that, um, that I actually don't have the power to live life on a spiritual basis. I don't have it. I've got to find that power, and it tells me, you know, we need to find a power by which we can live. And, um, and he says, the purpose of this book is to show you where and how. tells me later on it's deep down inside of me. You know, inside of every man, woman, child is a fundamental idea of God. It's power that I need. Powerlessness is my problem. Power is my solution. The power that seeks to express itself in every living form. You know, and I'm, and so I make that decision, you know, and I'm, I'll just read this. Here again, it says, you know, the third step decision. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed. If, it's conditional, we stayed close to him and performed his work well. So what do I need? I need power. Yeah, that's it. It's like, I need power to live spiritually. How am I going to do that? Well, steps four, five, six, seven. By step seven, I'm like, oh, I can't. I'm so mortified by the truth of who I am. I'll do anything. I'll even (laughs) pay the money back. (laughs) Which I've done. You know, I made the last sort of amends that I've had to move down to Melbourne to make some of my amends. But it's like, I sold my house up north and um, I've made amends for, you know, the ones that I can get to thus far. Other ones keep popping up. It's like, oh, that one. But um. You know, the thing is with the amends as well is that what he tells me, and this is a promise, you know, is that, um, where is it? Yeah, this is after step, this is step nine and ten. You know, you get those fabulous step nine promises, the better step ten promises. But he says, much has already been said about receiving, if I'm open, if I've cleared away what blocked me, about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. I'm going to be provided with the strength, inspiration, and guidance that I need if I do these steps, you know. And it says, if, again, conditional, if we have carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us, you know. And um, what an amazing gift for somebody who's so undeserving. You know, it's like I did nothing to deserve the gift that I've been given. Um, I get so moved by it because I almost died of alcoholism in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Thousands of us are dying every year, you know, and um, to be one of the ones that kind of got plucked out, you know, and to be, like Jeanette was saying, to be one of the ones that, that nobody else can do this in the world except alcoholics. Only we can help other alcoholics, and I'm... The thing for me with newcomers also is that I look at newcomers and I, 
I recognize and I empathize with the suffering of alcoholics, but also what I, I see um, are the frightened eyes of children. And <laughs> the, you know, the scared, just confused, bewildered eyes of children who don't know what is wrong, what they have done wrong. I see my own father weeping when I would come home. I would hear my, I hear my mother's hysterical voice. I see friends who don't know how to deal with me. It's not just me that I'm helping, you know, it's like it just radiates out, you know. So if you're a newcomer, everybody will benefit if you pick up this book and follow instructions. And I'm... Um, yeah, for, for me, it's, it's a long time since I picked up a drink, but what I had to do was start, you know... I, I made a list. I had the list. I did a, you know, fourth step. And one of the things was recently... It, t it took a while, you know, and my father died 11 years ago. And, um, and after my father's death, my mother and brother went in for the kill. My parents had been divorced for a long time and <clears throat> different fathers for my brother. And two and a half years, they just attacked and attacked and attacked when I most needed a loving family. And many, many people told me that what they did was unforgivable. And uh, my life depends on me. This whole, the key to the future is that I've got to look at this a different way. These people are sick. Help me show them the same patience, tolerance and pity that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. How can I be of help to them? What I saw as I did that was that my mother, how could a mother do that to their child that they had so adored? You know, apparently she adored me when I was born. And, um, and then I began to remember her pain. I was shown her pain. The times when I would say that I would be be coming over, and days later, I'm still not there. Her ringing me and hysterical, saying, I've got, where were you? Somebody of your description has just been shown on the television. I thought it was you. I was going to go to the police station. You know, money, 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 help this, buying me food, all of that kind of stuff. Lending me money that I just, I'm entitled. So despite all of that, you know, and, and still deeply missing my father, I eventually, I wrote to my mother and I made amends and I thanked her for her generosity and her kindness and apologized for the, many of the things that I had said which were wrong and, and, um, and I sent a thousand dollar check and that was more but it's interest. She's a pensioner and she's unwell and um, when I got the return letter, I was very frightened. It took me a few days to actually open it, and I was shaking a little bit more than what I am now. And there was a couple of pages, only a couple of pages of abuse, and um, <laughs> but it was good because I recognised it. I saw where it began, and I went flip, flip, and I got the bit where it wasn't abuse anymore. You know, and she said, and I just ignored it. I avoided retaliation or argument. And I've continued to write, and I've just continued to ignore, and it's stopped. The abuse has stopped. And I sent her a few books, you know, that I thought she would like, you know, All Creatures Great and Small, James and James Harriet. 
you know, and I'm, I wanted to talk more about making amends, but what I want you to know is that the person who was so filled with hate and rage, my, my, I can still be really angry and over the top, but it's, it's so much less than it is. Because I keep making amends for it, it gets less. But the person who just hated and demanded and took, stole, did whatever she wanted, is not standing before you today. I'm a different person. I've been transformed by the power of God, which is life-sustaining, life life-giving, and all-loving, you know, that a person like me, who was hopeless, you know, um, has dignity and compassion, hope and understanding in ways you know, that I couldn't conceive previously. So, thank you. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting me share.